Before we get started, I want to thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart for taking an interest in this free resource where you're going to learn over 25 different questions that a facility operator or sales manager does not want you to ask during the process of an interview. You're going to learn how to leverage their confidence or lack thereof at the final stage of being able to sign your name on the dotted line and possibly negotiate a lower price than they were willing to accept because you are now equipped with many questions to use as ammunition in the fight that you're going to be in when it comes to your dollars staying in your pocket and keeping as much of those dollars out of the pocket of the provider that you're considering. So I hope you like this free resource. Feel free to visit www.homestretch101.com for more tips, tools, resources, solutions, and hear about the upcoming guests on our show. This material provided may not be reproduced or retransmitted without the expressed written consent of Chad Schmidt. Is your operation licensed with a Type A designation or Type B designation? The reason you want to ask this question is in the state of Texas, a Type A license and a Type B license allow for safe exits in case of an emergency. A Type A license is for individuals who can exit the property safely in case of an emergency on their own. They don't have problems walking around. A Type B facility has safe exit paths to the doors. However, the residents are not able to exit on their own without supervision or help, meaning they have either a mental disability, a cognitive disability, a physical disability, or they cannot walk. It's important for you to know this because although most of the operations in the state of Texas that are an assisted living facility are licensed for type B, not all of them are. And once you are registered as a type A licensed operation, you will have close to 0% likelihood of ever converting it to a type B facility. So if it's important for your loved one because they're not physically able to move themselves or they have a mental impairment, the person that you're speaking to on this tour, you want them to be able to provide you with an answer with confidence. What makes your business so great? The reason you want to ask this question is because there is nobody on the face of the planet that would claim to be the seventh best at anything. So this question is really a setup for the 
confidence that you are about to destroy with their services and kind of giving them a little bit of a heads up subconsciously because it's all about negotiating for the best value and the best deal and you don't want to come on super strong unless you have the personality or a loved one with you that isn't really afraid to confront somebody and destroy their confidence. This question is really geared towards setting up the questions that follow. What type of training does your staff do that goes above and beyond the norm? If you have a loved one who has a breathing difficulty like a CPAP machine at night or some other type of apparatus, you want to ask this question simply because most nurses that are going to be in direct care of your loved one are not trained for special circumstances such as the one I just mentioned with the CPAP. You want to make sure that the direct care professionals that are going to be monitoring your loved one through the day and at night are qualified and any facility that provides ongoing or continuing education is going to naturally cost more money and provide a better quality of life for your loved one which may or may not be important to you. Is there an accounting system that makes sure that the medications that my loved one is taking are not stolen or abused by the staff? The reason you want to ask this question is because there are some nurses that are under financial difficulties, either because of personal reasons or the employer that they're working for is not paying them enough money for the amount of time that they spend on the job. And so some nurses resort to unethical practices and will either steal the medication themselves and sell it to neighbors, friends, and other parties that are in need of that medication, whether it be a pain reliever, muscle relaxer, or whatever it is, or they themselves will be abusers of the drug. So you want to make sure that there is some type of monitoring with multiple parties involved to make sure that the amount of medication that is prescribed is not over abused either through theft or by giving the patient, your loved one, too much medication than they actually need which could result in damage to internal organs because of improper quantities of consumption. Is your facility in a flood zone or is there a natural disaster that could create an issue for my loved one to leave or for me to get here in case of an emergency? This question is important for you to ask because it lets the operator know that you are serious about your loved one's ability to exit safely and that you actually care about their well-being. You're also going to be able to determine in an instant how well the individual that you're speaking with 
knows their product and service inside and out. In many cases, they will not know the answer, and it's perfectly acceptable if they respond with, honestly, I don't really know, but I can find the answer for you. What is the number of residents that staff is responsible for? The reason you want to ask it in that specific manner is because they're probably going to include all of the staff in that answer. So, let them answer and respond to the question that you just asked and follow that up with, well, what if there's a hiccup? Like somebody fell in the bathroom and it's going to take longer for them to be with that individual than with the other person that might need help. Or if somebody calls out sick that day, or if somebody has to go home because they're not feeling well, you want to find out if there's actually a procedure or formula that the operation has to determine the needs of staff for the day. In most cases, there's some type of algorithm that is inputted in the back end or administration department that tells them how many individuals need to be scheduled for a particular shift on a particular day given the number of residents. You want to then follow up that question with, is that direct care? Or are you including the maintenance person, the dishwasher, the receptionist, the gardener in your resident to staff ratio? They're certainly not going to expect that you are asking for clarification on the answer that they just gave you two seconds before. And this will give you another opportunity as to whether they are completely honest and forthright or you'll notice that they start to backpedal on some of the responses that they gave. It's also going to be used in further questioning as leverage. And when it comes down to the question of price, you'll now be more equipped to negotiate. How much does the staff that's responsible for caring for my loved one get paid per hour? The reason you want to ask this question is because you want to make sure that the people that are actually providing the care are well compensated for the long, laborious hours doing tasks that you don't want to do and that they're being paid fairly. You also want to follow up that question with why don't you consider paying them more? It's going to throw the salesperson or the representative that you're talking to for a loop and they'll probably stutter or they'll start to back down because they're now recognizing that you're asking questions that they have not been trained to either answer or how to overcome the objection that will come at a later point in time. If my loved one is in the bathroom alone, is there a hot water valve to make sure that they don't accidentally burn themselves? 
This is a very key question because there is a lot of time spent in the bedroom and bathroom for an elderly person. And you want to make sure that those areas that could potentially present a safety hazard, such as a trip or a fall in the bathroom on a slippery surface, and even the area where bathing takes place and hands are washed, that your loved one isn't going to accidentally turn on the hot water, leave it running for a while, and then come back to washing their hands and get some type of a burn on their skin. Most facilities do not have a water valve that allows you to shut off hot water. But for those facilities that do, it could be an additional selling point that makes it worth your while to consider them as a valid provider. And of course, worthy of you paying for their service. Walk me through exactly how your staff has been trained to bathe the resident. The reason you want to ask this question is because most operations do not have a formalized training system and they will typically inherit a nurse that has bad practices when it comes to bathing somebody. And so after you ask this question and give them time to respond, you want to follow that question up with, well, are there any consequences for putting a towel on the ground in the bathing area while my loved one's being showered? Because that is one of the most common mistakes that nurses make is putting a towel on a tile or slippery surface on the floor and then that towel getting wet while showering. It doesn't take a genius to realize that a wet towel on any surface presents a slip or a trip hazard. So you wanna make sure that if a nurse is caught doing that type of behavior, is she or he going to be reprimanded for doing so? because it does present a slip or a trip hazard, right? Is the flooring throughout the house slip resistant if it's tile or wood? It's important for you to ask this question because many of the residents in an assisted living environment, they wear sandals, which they themselves present a trip hazard already. And so there are some places that allow residents to walk with socks, with slippers, or only with shoes. And so you want to ensure that the place that you're considering is doing everything that they can to remove a liability issue that would present somebody falling, somebody injuring themselves, possibly breaking a bone or or while they are falling, that their head isn't going to hit an object on a table, the edge of a table, or corner of a table, or the ground. You can then follow this question up with, what kind of policies are in place by your staff and your operation to minimize the occurrence of a slip, trip, or fall and safety issues 
you're really trying to enforce with the representative you're speaking to that you are evaluating based on different criteria that you consider valuable and important that most individuals that they come across are not going to ask. At this point in the conversation, if you're following the exact questions by order, you may want to switch things up and give them an opportunity to try and cool down a little bit because at this point they're probably already pretty nervous and getting heat inside of their body because they don't know how to respond effectively. So if you notice that's going on earlier in the conversation or at this point, you want to give them a little bit of a break and give them an opportunity to kind of gain some rapport and some trust back with you. So I have some questions that are a little bit easier for them to answer at this point. If we decide to go with your services, what expectations are you going to have of me? This allows them to really let you know what's going to make their job easier because they deal with a lot of headaches and a lot of complaining from the residents themselves and the loved ones that are coming to visit. So you want to give them an opportunity to express those things that make them frustrated so that you can try and make it a more pleasing experience to work with you. You want to follow up that question with, can you give me an example of, you know, what makes you or your staff frustrated by some of the people that come in and visit? Give them an opportunity to share a story with you about an experience that they have either gone through in the past that is a horror story or one that they might be experiencing right now. What can I expect from you if there's bad news that you have to deliver? You want to get an idea of the responsiveness and the way that the staff is going to handle a difficult situation where they're going to have to tell you about an accident that happened, a possible death, or other bad news that may arise as a result of them being in the care of their facility and their staff. You also want to follow up this question with, Okay, so you got to give me the bad news. How would you recommend I respond so that I can make your job more easier? You want to give them confidence and courage to be able to call you to tell you bad things that are going on. Nobody likes to deliver bad news. And it's mainly because of the fear that they have of how you might be able to receive it. Most people receive bad news very poorly. And you want to give them the chance to describe how they would prefer that you respond so that it makes it easier for them to pick up that phone and call you. 
how would you say, how would you handle the situation if my loved one is refusing to bathe or take a shower and it's been more than three days? My grandmother had dementia and she assumed that she took a shower even though she didn't. And she'd started to develop urinary tract infections, which only exacerbated her mental decline and also created conflict, frustration, anxiety, and more confrontations, not just with nurse, but also with family. So you want to ask this question because you want to give them an opportunity to explain whether or not they have somebody on staff that maybe is a little more gentle or firm that can work with the loved one that you're talking about and persuade them to take a bath or to get cleaned up. During eating or mealtime, Will someone be present at all times to prevent choking? You want to make sure that there's monitoring of the staff during these times so that if somebody does start to choke or have difficulty eating the food or coughing, that they're not going to be left alone and possibly have an unfortunate event take place. You also want to follow this question up with, is everyone on staff CPR certified? In the case of a choking taking place, there's several different methods and you want to make sure that the individuals that monitor during eating times know how to respond before it's too late. What therapies are available if my loved one doesn't want to walk or move around? The reason I throw this question in there is because my grandmother had swollen ankles that were purple because she wasn't getting any circulation to her feet. And they were often very, very cold. And you want to see whether or not there's either someone on staff that's going to provide massages, do some type of stretching for the lower extremities, or if there's another type of therapy that you may not be familiar with that they can implement to make sure that there's good circulation happening in the lower part of the person's body. Another good question to ask that is kind of in line with the previous is the issue of bed spots. For people that are no longer getting out of bed, are there therapies that are going to allow for blood circulation in areas of the body that aren't moving? There are methods and there are options, but most people never consider asking these before they're actually needed. So give the facility an opportunity to describe what they might have in place in this instance. If I call to ask how things are going with my 
mom, for instance, is the person that's going to answer the phone going to be able to give me an update or an answer? Or am I going to have to leave a message and wait for a call back? You want to set the expectation for the next few questions that I recommend asking and give them an opportunity to elaborate on how responsive they are to phone calls when the nurse that's caring for your loved one isn't available at the exact moment that you call. That's obviously in the case of a larger operation. However, in a much smaller type of environment, you're more than likely going to be able to have an answer immediately because the community is smaller and everybody is familiar with what's happening with each of the residents. You get to balance what is important to you. This is a high priority for some and not that high for others. What quality of care can I expect of your staff? This is a setup question for the next question that follows because you want to give them an opportunity to drop the bomb on you. If they're going to provide you with the canned response of, you can ensure that your loved one is going to have the best environment and the best quality of living for the remaining moments that they have. That's usually what they're going to give you. And the next question that you should ask is how much do you charge for your services? Because if they're the best, or they claim to be the best, then their price should reflect that. And they will either have the confidence to tell you what the price is based on all of the previous questions that you just asked them, or they're going to give you that opportunity to now negotiate. After they tell you how much their cost for services is, the next question out of your mouth should be, how did you arrive at that figure? Nobody ever asked this question, and it gives them the opportunity to either justify where they are at in relation to their competition, or tuck their tail between their legs and submit that they actually aren't the best. And you are going to be able to negotiate lower fees if they are not meeting all of the expectations and confident in the responses that they've given with the previous 24 questions that you've asked. If these questions have not already thrown you for a loop, as well as the person that you are going to be talking with about services, this next one is the kicker. I call it the triple X question because it's going to let you know whether or not they are prepared to go to battle for your business. Last question is, if we're debating on your service and another provider, are you willing to meet with your competition to duke it out and fight for my business? 
most people are not ever considering that you are going to have someone go toe-to-toe and fight for your dollars. And you're going to find out real quick whether or not they have the confidence to go to the arena, whether that's on an off-site location or bringing one party to a, a competition's arena so that they can find out who is chicken little in this fight. I hope that these questions have now equipped you far better than any other person that your operator, sales manager will ever encounter and give you the power to negotiate when it comes to signing your name on the dotted line. If you found this resource valuable, I implore you to share it with somebody that may be in need. Somebody that's not going to get taken advantage of by a provider of care and services for your loved one. Consider writing us an email to let us know how valuable this resource has been for you. And visit www.homestretch101.com where you'll discover solutions as well as the upcoming guests and featured titles. And if you're so inclined and you have a particular topic or question, submit it to us on the web and we will do our best to give you the answer that you're looking for. Until our next conversation, I wish you good health and eternal love. Have a beautiful day.